Good morning, good afternoon or evening, depending on when you are listening to this. And welcome to the first full episode of the Return of the Hack podcasts. Today we are speaking to Beetle Gage of Beetle Eventing on Instagram and Facebook. Beetle is an intermediate event rider. We spoke about where her love for horses started, as well as the highs and lows she has encountered since. As part of the interview, Beetle does talk about her mental and physical health. I would urge anyone who can relate to this or if you struggle with your thoughts or health to talk to someone. This is so, so important and is the first step to getting the help you need. So here's the interview with B. I hope you enjoy it. started and how did you get into horse riding? I got into horse riding when I was zero years old. I, when I was younger I used to think it was really cool to say that I was born on a horse like it sounds so <laughs> stupid now but I was like oh yeah I was actually born on a horse. So my mum has always been horsey and I was really lucky to be brought up with well, ponies and my mum was very briefly the district commissioner of the East Sussex Pony Club she said it was the worst job she's ever had so uh, I don't think she really enjoyed organizing everything and you can imagine the pony club politics as well so she yeah she didn't stay too long doing that and did you compete while you grew up I did quite a lot of Prince Philip Cup so we Mm -hmm. used to go all around England actually and that was so much fun it was just (laughs) such good sort of team because it was just it was mad it was mad and we were all absolutely bonkers we had no fear whatsoever (laughs) Um, I never evented or anything like that. I did some unaffiliated show jumping on a really cool pony that we bought from Ashford Market. Um, And he would just, yeah, he was such a steal. He would just go out every weekend and win and win and win. But it was never affiliated or anything like that. So I used to, I loved competing. Every weekend I'd be out. Yeah, my poor parents having to drive me (laughs) around. (laughs) So are you a competitive person? I'm I'm not dangerously competitive. It's definitely <laughs> a downfall for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I put myself under a lot of pressure to do well, which I think lots of competitive people do. And I've done that since I was very young. I've I've learned how to manage not doing so well better. But when I was young, I can remember being a bit of a brat. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, you had a ten-year break from horse riding before you got your current two horses, Fly and Barney. Why did you have a break? So my last pony was sold when I was 12 and I actually went to boarding school until I was 18 and I went to boarding school two hours away from where I lived. So yeah, my parents were just like, yeah, I can't have any horses. See you later. Basically ship me off to boarding school. I'm not bitter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I I loved my school and I had really great friends, but I'm not sure whether it's something... I think I would have preferred to have been at home with horses. You worked for Harry Mead, one of Britain's leading event riders. How was that? I don't want to sound corny, but it really was life-changing at that point. I just dropped out of university. I actually got hospitalised in my second year of university with with quite severe anorexia. Yeah, and um, I was in hospital for a while. And it was basically like a huge turning point in my life. And I just didn't know how to get back on my feet. It's like everything I was doing wasn't working. 
And I actually, I remember one of the therapists said to me, what did you want to be when you were a child? And I said, I always wanted to be an Olympic equestrian. That's all I ever wanted to be. <laughs> I know, a far-fetched. And he said, well, go and work for horse with horses and it will really help you get better. Yeah. And so I literally applied for a working few, and I, li I had no idea. I didn't even know how to put on brushing boots. I had no idea about horses, <laughs> let alone eventing and everything that goes with eventing. And I applied for this job with Harry and I went for an interview. And he was just like, yeah, when can you start? Um, so I worked for him. Yeah, I did a season with Harry and I basically learned everything I know from working there. I met some really good friends that are still my friends. And one of my really good friends, he still trains me. Uh, he was a rider for Harry for years. And it just really helped me get some, uh, it was like a foundation block that I'd be missing in my life. And then when I bought Fly, when I was working there, it just, I mean, it hasn't been smooth sailing since then, I'm not gonna lie, but it, it's given me um, a direction. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you remember the first time you rode Fly? I do. And, uh, every evening when I was working for Harry, he used to send us texts telling us which horses were being ridden by who the next day and what exercise they were going to be doing. And mm -hmm. I can remember looking at my phone because he used to text us really late at like midnight. <laughs> um, a man who doesn't sleep, clearly. <laughs> um, and seeing my initials beside Fly's name for a hack. And I was just like, oh my god i'm being allowed to ride him i was so <laughs> excited so i went i went on a hack with him and i can remember thinking this is the coolest thing ever but he was so spooky but yeah he was just uh because i loved him ever since he came off the lorry he's got these really beautiful eyes mm -hmm. and i just thought oh he's just such a dream so when I went on that hack, I was like, oh, this is like a peak in my life. This is great. <laughs> oh. And how old was he? He was five when he was mm -hmm. sent to Harry's. And he, yeah, he was, so he was a five-year-old when I bought him. Mm -hmm. And had he done much in the past at all? Yeah, so he had been produced by a really, really good rider who uh, is a professional. And mm -hmm. he had all of the potential in the world which I think was why I was so excited to be able to even hack him. I was like, oh, this is so great that Harry thinks that, you know, I'm able to hack this horse. Um, so he had done, you know, a fair bit for a five-year-old. And he got you into eventing, did he? Yes, absolutely. I did my first event on him. We went straight in at B100 because wow. this was before MERs were a thing. I didn't know anything really about eventing. <laughs> Thinking back on it, like all the people who knew me were just like, yeah, go for 100. But it was so hard. I'm walking the cross country thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> what level do you currently compete at with Fly? So Fly is competing at intermediate. But okay. I mean, I feel like he's, I think everyone feels this way with their horses though, don't they? They feel like there's more to give. But he's 11, so I, I think he will be able to get to advanced. He's got some little uh, creases to iron out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's your forever horse then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's done, <laughs> like, so much for me. I wouldn't, I just couldn't, I wouldn't dream about selling him. I literally base my life around him. And tell us about your other horse, Barney. Oh, Barney is a dream. He <laughs> is five in two weeks. I bought him in October from Lisa Lockwood, who has produced him beautifully. I wanted to have a younger horse to mm -hmm. produce, and aim was to buy him, produce him, and sell him. Mm -hmm. I say was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I know. Oh, it's, I know it's bad. It's bad, but yeah, we'll see. We will see. <laughs> and are you currently competing with Barney? I know times are a bit tough right now, but did you manage to get out before lockdown? We did, we did. I did a bit of show jumping with him, so he did some discoveries, and then I took him to B20 at Swaycliffe, and he came 10th there. I went really slowly cross-country because I it was quite it was quite wet and that dropped us quite a few places but to come out with double clear really pleased with him he yeah. is super little horse but yeah we've got lots of lots of promise for the future we're very hopeful for what he can achieve so we, we will see it's it's difficult for me because I see a nice horse and I'm like oh, I want to take him around badminton now you know like I need to just chill <laughs> <laughs> and what's your favourite part about eventing? So do you prefer the dressage, or the show jump in the cross country? Oh, now this is a tricky one. Well, it's definitely not dressage. <laughs> I can say that now. It's, I love cross country, but it definitely causes me the most stress mm-hmm. with Fly. Fly is, he's very brave and he's done very well at intermediate. But we've had a couple of events where it has been, he's been in pole position because he will always jump clear, show jumping. Mm-hmm. And we get to cross country and he would just say no to a ditch and then quite yeah. happily pop it the next, the second time. And I suppose the joy of cross country has sort of been replaced a little bit with, is he going to go clear? Because he deserves to go clear. He is always in a really good position after dressage and show jumping that I feel that if, if he doesn't go clear, and he, I mean, the majority of the time he does go clear. So this is just me being hypercritical. And then I just think I didn't ride him properly. I didn't ride him properly. And it's yeah. just, you know, when you, when you, I don't know whether anyone else gets this, but it's like, I'm afraid to do badly because mm. of the criticism I'm going to give myself after it. Yeah. Not because of the criticism other people are going to think of me. It's myself and my confidence will be knocked. And I think that's probably where I need to work on most myself with my competition sort of mindset is that, you know, all these professionals are usually very cool cucumbers. Cool. Don't say that after you've had a few cool (laughs) cucumbers. Uh, and I'm, I'm, and I'm just not, not naturally at all. You know, I Mm. I have quite bad anxiety, so it's definitely something I need to work on. Um, so it used to be cross country and it is still cross country. Like nothing replaces that buzz, but show jumping, like I'll go in the ring and I will, I will be confident that fly will come out with no penalties. So I think show jumping purely on an egotistical sort of <laughs> level, <laughs> but I think I enjoy cross country the most. <laughs> yeah. And probably dressage the least then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dressage is, it's fine. And I'm lucky that both the horses are actually quite naturally good at dressage. I'm not, I'm not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm, I just feel so unnatural when I mm. get in, in the, uh, in the ring. Hey, as long as the dressage judges don't see it, I don't mind. Yeah. Do you have a standout or highlight event that you kind of look back at and think, yeah, that was our event? Oh, definitely. I literally get shivers down my spine when I think about it um it it would be 2019 so just last year Farley Hall the intermediate where Fly won his section yeah we just pipped Kitty King and I think it's probably the standout moment of my life <laughs> hopefully not my entire riding career but definitely to this point my entire riding career it was just so unexpected and uh, I still ha- I still haven't got over it and I never will and 
What's even nicer is that Harry, Harry Mead and his wife were there. The whole team were there and they waited at the end for the prize giving. And on my video that I've got, then you can hear them whooping in the background. It's so, it's literally like, it's basically like a fairy tale. It sounds really lame, but it definitely is. It was just so lovely. Okay, so have you ever had a bad experience at event? Yes. I think everyone's had events that don't go to plan. I like to try and put a positive spin on things. So the one which sort of instantly jumps out in my mind was about four years ago in the novice at Goring Heath with Fly. He was, I think he was set to win the section and I was second from home cross country. And it was this sort of relatively challenging corner combination. I didn't really think much of it because he was very consistent at novice. And galloping around cross country, I literally, these are the thoughts that went through my head. People are gonna remember me at cross country. Honest to God, those were, that was what I was thinking. I was like, I am great. Is it, how embarrassing is that? Um, and then I got round to this corner combination Jumped in way too long, missed the stride, and came out of the side door. And oh. it was the biggest leveller. I completely deserved it because I didn't think, I, I literally just didn't even think about what I was doing because I thought I was that good. And yeah, it was just such a leveller. And I think it was sort of sent by the gods to <laughs> keep me in check. <laughs> <laughs> So, talking of low points, you mentioned earlier that you were sadly hospitalised due to being unwell with anorexia. Thankfully, horses have played a big part in helping you get better, but do you still have lows? Well, I, I suppose for me, I have sort of highs and low points, but it's got a lot better, far better, actually since I joined Instagram, which is back in September. But before that, I always thought that I was... Uh, they, people talk about imposter syndrome quite a lot and I had serious imposter syndrome with my about my riding and the level I was competing at because I started so late and I am I am and I know I'm miles behind a lot of people and I would just pick myself apart and just really worry that people were judging me even in you know dressage warm-up stuff like that or if I went through a bit of a low point with Fly when he was about six. He just had a hard time show jumping, which is crazy because now he's like king of the coloured poles. But he, he, I just, I found it really tricky. And I think lots of people's instant reaction is to blame themselves and think I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And actually, even when I first got Barney a couple of months back, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to send him to a professional because I cannot get the best out of this horse. Because I knew he was awesome, but he, we didn't gel on the flat at all. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I'm going to have to, you know, send it to a professional completely what I didn't want to do, completely defeats the point of buying him in the first place. And so I, really, I actually really got quite down about it. I just thought, I'm a joke. I'm a complete joke. But then I suppose it's time and that's something which I've really learned to appreciate with horses is everything takes time mm -hmm. and things do come good and you've just got to think that way. Otherwise, you'll just send yourself in a spin. The horses also can, te can tell if you're rushing things. So that's definitely something which I have had to battle with is sort of self-criticism and caring way too much about what people think. But on the plus side, I have learned the art of patience and I would say it's probably an art because some people I'm not a naturally patient person at all 
any any of my friends will tell you that but I have yes I have I'm learning and <laughs> I'm learning every day <laughs> so yeah horses take time and that's definitely something which I've learned <laughs> and you mentioned social media there so how are people follow you I am on Instagram and my handle is beetle.eventing I used to work at a secondary school as a teaching assistant for two years, so I could never have a public Instagram profile. And then just as I was leaving, I thought, uh, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try it. See if people want to see what I'm doing. I was always used to follow sort of equestrian Instagrammers and just get really invested in their stories and their lives. <laughs> so I just thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a go. And actually, like I, yeah, lots of people have been so supportive, like, Instagram I was a bit worried I thought oh people are going to criticize me they're going to say I'm doing this wrong or they're going to be you know just negative but my god people are so positive and encouraging and lovely so I started that Instagram account and I also a couple of months back popped up a Facebook account under Beetle Eventing again it's not I'm not as active on Facebook I have to say I'm a bit more nervous, a bit more apprehensive about Facebook, just because I know a few people have had bad experiences. Again, lots of negativity and criticism. So I sort of post the, the bare bones on Facebook, or maybe uh, there are a few people that uh, know me that don't have Instagram. So it's a way for them to sort of catch up on what I'm doing. But I have been toying with the idea of starting a YouTube, yeah. but I've never really thought, I've never really watched YouTube. So for me, it it wasn't a big, it wasn't sort of a, an automatic thing for me to think, oh, I should do a YouTube. But I've had a few followers saying, oh, I think, you know, you'd be, you'd have a really funny YouTube channel. So I'm toying with the idea, but I feel a bit old. <laughs> Don't be silly, but you, could, you should, you should vlog. I think you should, definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, it'd be God, good. You just have to think of so many things to vlog about. Right? <laughs> I my life people, is boring <laughs> I think people just like to see especially as you've got Barney do with him how you're bringing him on and then kind of the the yeah. highlights with Fly would be would be really nice to watch actually so you're supported by Protexin Equine Premium and Equiboodle can you tell us a little more yeah. about these brands of course so Protexin um if anyone is interested about what protection do if you just head over to my instagram now i've recently done a sort of business showcase on them so protection are a supplements business and i've been using their various supplements for going on five years now and i so i'm quite funny about supplements and i think it's because i've tried a lot Mm -hmm. So when I find one which works, I am like the biggest enthusiast <laughs> about what, because I have spent so much money on various like joint supplements for Fly because he's such a stiff old man. Ever since he was five, he's been really quite stiff. And so I, I really got on well with the Protexin Gut Balancer. And so then I moved on to their Cosequin joint supplement. And I... Uh, honestly the change in flight I rave on about it so much people follow me are gonna be listening to this and being like oh god she's on about it again but I love it it's brilliant it's just fantastic and they do so many different things and it's all I just think it's all really good stuff and you're not paying an arm and a leg for it their joint supplements a little bit more up market but you pay for what you get and so I have been supported by them since January so very new to my well my sort of supportive life. So I was really surprised actually, because I, I sent them an email 
just sort of introducing myself. And then the only e- company I've ever emailed, so I, I was like, I'm going to end this on a high. <laughs> <laughs> just introducing myself about my horses and how, you know, how, what, which of their products I think are great. And I was just emailed back just saying, oh, we'd really like to work with you. And so, yeah, I'm, I sort of promote them as much as I can on my social medias. And because I feel passionately and I use the products, and I think that's what lots of businesses look for, are people who actually really value what they sell. Uh, it's so easy for me to go on and on about it because I wouldn't be without it. So if anyone asks me what I use, I sort of ram it down the throat and tell them, use it, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's protecting. Equiboodle, I have a long history with Equiboodle. I first worked for Equiboodle, ooh, blimey, six years ago? Gosh, that's flown by. I think it was six years, maybe five years ago. <laughs> anyway, I digress. And I've known Vic, who is the owner of the company, for, well, since then. And I've sort of been on and off. I, I left to go and get my, quali- my uh, instructor qualifications, and then I came back. And then I left when I moved uh, to Bath. And that's when I was working as a teaching assistant. And then I've come back recently because of my master's going to be in Swindon. So my horses have moved with me. So I sort of went crawling back to Vic. And this was after I was asked to become a brand ambassador. So Equiboodle have been the biggest support to me for so many years in so many different ways. Vic as a person is a very good friend of mine. And she is just she's phenomenal she's such a phenomenal woman and her products she's just recently started a clothing line equiboodle clothing line and if you haven't seen it you've, you've got to go and check it out it is so cool they do the coolest coolest designs and it not only uh, are their clothing it's it's I, I think i'm right in saying it's the biggest tax shop in gloucestershire and it is blooming massive I'm going to say we because I'm an assistant buyer there at the moment. So we stock loads of stuff. Uh, you'll come in and you'll find, well, not come in at the moment, obviously, because of COVID. But <laughs> when restrictions lift, you come in, find, and look, there is everything. And also, we are super friendly. So <laughs> you'll get a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and a good chinwag. But they are online at the moment. So just go check out Equiboodle. I'm doing a good plug here. I hope that you will be happy. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Equiboodle do everything. They stock everything, horse stuff, um, and also the new brand of clothing is just amazing. <laughs> so you mentioned, obviously, degrees and masters. So apart from horses, what else do you do? So I have just finished a history degree. So after I dropped out of my original degree, I went to Bristol Uni, and I obviously dropped out of that because I was really unwell. And then at the grand old age of 26, I thought, oh, I, I, I want to finish this degree now. So I was lucky enough to pull my credits over from Bristol to the Open Uni so that I could work at the same time whilst completing my degree. And so I've just finished a history degree, waiting on my results. and I'm hoping I'm going to get a first. So fingers crossed. At the moment, I'm working at Equiboodle as um, an assistant buyer. So sort of in charge of what uh, comes in and all like the new stuff that we stock and stuff like that. So it's, it's just basically another pair of eyes to see from a competitive amateur point of view, what people might want to be buying, what people are looking for, stuff like that. So I'm there part time, but obviously furloughed at the moment. And then in September, I start my master's with the Royal Agricultural University. 
I'm going to be based in Swindon and I'm going to do a master's in the conservation and management of historical buildings. Honestly, every time I say that, I just laugh because it is just <laughs> the geekiest thing in the world. And anyone who knows me is like, what? <laughs> I love history. I, I just love it. And I love everything to do with history that isn't just history. If you know what I mean, like buildings, artifacts, art. I'm, I just love it. I love it. So I just thought, you know what, if I can go in, get a good master's and I can come out and preserve and make sure that people have op the access and opportunities to go and learn about historical places, historical people and everything, then I will be happy with my life. <laughs> so with two horses on your hands, how do you balance your time and how often do you ride the two of them? I ride both of them. Fly definitely will get ridden six times a week. Barney will usually get ridden five times a week, but sometimes it gets ridden six times a week, just depending on what the plan is, really. So managing my time, uh, luckily with Equiboodle, uh, Vic's so uh, accommodating. She knows I've got to ride horses. I also ride my mum's horse about five times a week, so that's an extra horse to ride. I, how do I balance it? I mean, when I was working, sorry, when I was uh, doing my university degree, it was very much like don't do any work until my assignment's due in and then do like three months worth of work in a week. So stress levels were high. <laughs> but um, luckily for me, I'm quite good at cramming and attain, attaining, obtaining knowledge. So that worked quite well for me, but I don't advise it at all. I think f f management, time management is super important. I have a definite routine. So everything gets done at the same time pretty much every day. And that just means I can manage riding the horses and, and it also means that I can look forward to their days off as well. Yeah, so definitely. I think they also look forward to it too. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to our final question, a bit of an open-ended one. What are your plans for the future? What are my plans for the future? Well, I've sort of touched on my, I won't go back into it because I'll go into a crazy passionate historical rants <laughs> so I would love to be able to sort of preserve these buildings and make sure that people have access to them etc etc but realistically I'd like to do that in this oh this is hard because I need to run horses with my life and it sounds that sounds really sort of bratty but I would give up everything to have horses in my life. I would give up any career. I would give up everything in order. And I would work as many hours as I needed to in order to run horses. I'm very competitive and I want to get as far in the sport as I can. But I also am appreciative that I need to support myself. I need to support horses as well. So I'd love to get a good job. This is just, you know, I think this is everyone's dream in the equine industry, except for winning the lottery and just not having a job and just riding, because that would be great. <laughs> so I'd like to have a well-paid job in the field that I've talked about. And I'd also like to have my own facilities. I'm lucky enough to keep the horses at my parents' house, but I don't want to do that for the rest of my life because I'd like to have my own space to keep them. And I realize that that is really difficult, especially in the current climate, economic climate. It's, it, it will be hard, but I think with me, I'm, I, well, I like to put this on my partner as well. So he's got a close finger out. <laughs> he needs enough money to keep my horses. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely would like to keep the horses running and be in a job which could accommodate 
me competing because I'd love to keep competing on until I can't basically I think that's the same for anyone who's into horses it's yeah. finding that balance isn't it because they are very expensive animals very time consuming and yeah. at the same time you need that well-paid job to keep them going so it is it's, it's hard it's almost impossible but I mean we we seem to manage it somehow so I, there is hope there is definite <laughs> hope but then also I am buying lottery tickets every week Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the interview i hope you enjoyed my chat with b don't forget to follow these podcasts so you are alerted whenever new episodes are posted until next time happy hacking